0: Welcome to the weekly podcast from the Jesus of History channel, the Jew behind the Christ myth. The Narrow Gate Series. In any discussion of the Jesus of History, one of the most fundamental questions is. What did the Jesus of history mean when he said God? And this is a question that even consumes atheists in as much as does God exist? What is God? What is the nature of God? But the problem is nobody can give you God. I can't give you God. You could talk about it all day, but I can't give you God. It's a bit like trying to talk someone who's colorblind into being able to see the colour red. But what I can do is give you the tools to experience the eternal for yourself, and point you in the right direction. In fact, that is exactly what the Jesus of history gave us in the narrow gate teaching. So as a beginning, let me call your attention to a strange phenomena. You may have seen the Jews for Jesus videos on YouTube, or you may have read it in the popular media, where, oh, a Jewish person um, died and for 10 minutes on the operating table, they saw Jesus Christ. and Or uh, a Jewish man that saw Jesus Christ in a cloud and became a Christian. People see the the Virgin Mary Here in Spain, that's always been popular. But before Christians get too excited, it's also true to say that people in India see visions of their gods, of Ganesha, Vishnu, Krishna. I... Would hazard a guess, although I have no data, that Eskimos see visions of their gods. So, what's going on? What is actually happening when people see visions of God, and what is the God that atheists say they don't believe in? Well, in order to Explain that. We'll do a a short but fun thought experiment. So bear with me. Imagine if you will, and, and gosh knows in 2021 it's not too much of a stretch of an imagination, imagine that the world has ended. In fact... Actually, no, no, I'll change it around, make it a bit more fun for you. Imagine that restaurants and the hospitality industry were still open. Imagine that you had a date with the the, the person that you love most in the world, that you desire most in the world and you it's an anniversary maybe and you have a date you've booked a room at a very expensive restaurant and you've been away you've arrived home on the plane limousine's come to pick you up and you're to be taken to this restaurant where your partner will meet you and as you arrive the driver says that your partner had asked if you would mind wearing a blindfold. So you've not seen your partner for, for some weeks, you, you can't wait to see them. You put this blindfold on, you giggle in. you're all happy and you're led to this restaurant, into this room. As the door opens, you can feel the change in air pressure as you enter a new room. You can't see anything, and all of a sudden you feel a warm, moist sensation on your cheek. And given the circumstances, you would be forgiven for thinking that this is a kiss. Your heart explodes, your knees go weak, and you feel this euphoria of love. Okay. That's scenario one. Let's go back to my scenario um, of the end of the world and the apocalypse. In this scenario, you're starving. The world is ended, packs of feral humans, going around killing people for their supplies and all the while the zombies are out to get you. You're out foraging for food while it's still daylight and you find this big department store and you think there may still be some food. All the shelves have been stripped but You go down into the stores and you think there must be something down there. So you go down many flights of stairs. Your footsteps are echoing. And you finally get to a flight of stairs that lead to a cellar. And you think maybe there'll be something down there. As you descend the stairs, the lights go off. The powers fail. You can't see a thing as you continue descending you pull out a torch you think okay maybe your torch will work but your torch fails and you're descending but you you think they might you're starving you don't have any choice you you've got to try and find some kind of food so as you enter the room you feel the air pressure change and just as you get to the bottom of the stairs, you feel this warm sensation on your cheek. What do you think your reaction would be? Well, I know what mine would be. <laughs> I would be up those stairs faster than Linford Christie. Now, if you consider both of those scenarios, And you can apply this thought experiment to pretty much anything. But if you take those two scenarios, the actual physical stimulus, the change in air pressure, being blindfolded, and then a warm, soft touch on your cheek, are exactly the same. But your physical and emotional reaction, your perceptions, are entirely coloured by the sum of your past... In the story, how you feel about that past and your expectations for the future. And what happens there is that your self, what we call the self, is actually the sum of your past, how you feel about that past, and your expectations for your future. And that gives you a feeling, a stream of feeling. And within that stream of feeling that stretches from the past to the future, which is always right in this moment, out of that stream, your thoughts swim. So when people see visions of Christ, that is their mind clothe in their sense impressions, with mental constructions. Indeed, it's also true to say that when atheists say they don't believe in God, it is those mental constructions, often second-hand mental constructions, that they've heard other people relate. And it's that which they don't believe in. Well, and fair play, Um, I don't blame them. So this begs the question, are all visions of God false? Are they all fake? Well, kind of yes and no. They have to be false because they are constructed and made up of your mental constructions, the, the clothes your mind puts on sensations. Now, we can talk about those sensations. It's for this reason that when the Hebrew people separated themselves from their Canaanite, the indigenous Canaanite neighbours, for various reasons, they avoided, and they were the first to do so, I think the only ones really, they avoided communicating images of God through narrative, because it is the stories, the narrative stories, that give us the bricks to build idols. And this is the problem for Christianity, because Christianity is based entirely on narrative stories. Mostly borrowed from other Greco-Roman mystery religions, but they're narrative stories that fill people's minds. And that is why they're so dangerous, that's why they're an abomination. Because it leads people into a dead end. That's true of um, Northern European indigenous religions, uh, Odinism, witchcraft. They are all narrative stories, highly emotionally charged narrative stories. And the more you're emotionally invested in those stories, the stronger your visions will be. If you look at the earliest Hebrew sources in the Elohim sources within Genesis and Exodus, they purposely are pushing your mind away from narrative description. Uh, When Moses sees a flame around A bush that doesn't consume it. It is a malacha. It's the malach. It is a messenger, an emanation of God, and the God is El, El Shaddai, El of the mountain. And when Moses asks him for his name, he says, "I, I am all that was, is or will be." And it's for this reason that traditionally Hebrew people didn't tend to have visions of in near-death experiences, etc, didn't have visions of God, because they had nothing to clothe their sense impressions with, which is a great gift. Now, in order to understand what the Jesus of history meant you have to understand that he was talking about a reality, an observable reality, which is what I'm trying to give you now. Um, And in order to prove that he was right, I wrote quantum mechanics for your soul so let me just give you uh, an example. You could say that all of the atoms in my hand appear to be my hand because they are vibrating and spinning at a certain rate, and the electromagnetic energy that holds them together at a certain frequency, so my hand, feels solid. The Atoms in the air are vibrating and spinning at a different rate and their electromagnetic connectivity creates the air and my hand can move through it. The atoms in this shillelagh are vibrating at a different rate and if I hit you with it, The speed creates a difference in the two materials. In actual fact, the entire universe is eternal and infinite and made up of basically nothing. In each atom it's, it's mostly void. There, there's nothing in an atom other than this spin, this energy. Now, what's and why this is relevant to the Jesus of history, incredibly relevant. There is no real difference between the atoms in this shillelagh and the atoms in me. They're the same. The X in the equation from the point of view of physics is life. We we don't know what it is. but the Jesus of history did. In the... And the reason he did was because Hebrew culture... or visionaries, mystics, within Hebrew culture had seen into the nature of reality. And in Genesis 1, where, which is a version of a Mesopotamian story, to be fair, but what makes it so different is its transcendental insights. When God creates the universe, he speaks it. He doesn't make it, form it like the later anthropomorphic versions, the Yahwist source. He speaks it into existence. Now think about that. If God speaks in a world where there's no air, he has no throat to make a sound, there is no air to carry sound, and there are no ears to hear, So what does that mean, he speaks? And what that means is that the entire universe is, if you like, a refraction of the energy of God, a change in frequency. When, the, in the Christian Bible translations of the Hebrew text, it says, God hovers over the face of the waters. But that's not what the the Hebrew word says, it says vibrates. So, what the, the mystics, Moshe perhaps, saw was that God was vibration and spin, or that, yeah, that the all, the eternal. was vibration and spin, but they saw there was more. What the Jesus of history saw when he describes a a universe that is made up of love, that God makes his sun rise on the good and the evil, and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. When he says, people, when when somebody asked him, because they were apocalyptic believers in the apocalypse, the last day and the resurrection of the dead, and they said to him, when is this kingdom of God going to arrive? When is the last day? When are we finally going to get justice for Judea? And he said, They won't say it's here or there. Look here, look here, there there is the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is within you. He also said that there is a light within a person of light that illuminates the world. And if you don't find that light, then there will be darkness. And you are that darkness. Now, what he's talking about there is the X in the equation. He's talking about life. There, the life that is hidden within the, the everything, Is the soul of souls, is God. And it was for that reason he always avoided saying the word God. He used the metaphor light as we do in Kabbalah. The Kabbalists since the 12th century have tried to avoid using the word God and nearly always speak of light because you don't want to clothe your mind with images. And this is the problem, and this is my warning, because as someone has trodden this path for a, a long, long time, 50 years maybe now, teachers like Muji, Eckhart Tolle, who teach the non-duality, they have seen beneath that self of now into non-duality. And their... That's where they stopped. From the narrow gate teaching, from the Jesus of history's teaching, that's the beginning, but that's where they stopped. And they felt that because life has no inherent, fixed reality, it's unimportant. So they teach to disassociate, to let go of other people, to let go of other things, this is all an illusion and that is the most fatal mistake. The Buddha, Gautama Siddhartha, went looking for an answer to suffering, a way out of life. And that's what he found, It's no surprise, because he saw that the eternal moving, which is one step further, but all he wanted to do was get out. The Jesus of history saw the X in the equation, and saw God in everything. And he realised that the entire eternal conspires to give you every single moment of life. Everybody you meet, everything you see, everything you've ever known, is there for one reason only, for you to come to your knowledge of God. And it's for that reason, it's like um, the eternal, everything, is like a self-correcting system and is based entirely on love. But as soon as you give living beings free will, life begins, choices are made. In later videos, we will look at the creation of good and evil, which is really positive and negative dependent origination. We'll look at practical what, the practicalities of living with this vision and how to achieve it. I'll introduce you to using the listening to the silent bell in order to train yourself to not clothe your impressions. And then that brings me down, just to finish off with, what then of these visions? Does that mean that all of these Christians, or people people that become Christians, are they not having spiritual encounters? from my experience i would say some do some christians i've known have been fantastic people and they do come close sometimes they do come close to the divine but their mind has dressed up that experience with their own expectation and the problem is is that mental construction the the expectation has a belief structure that you must accept And those belief structures take you in entirely the wrong direction. It's for that reason that the teaching of Jesus of history, as is inculcated within the common source, is entirely interested in how you deal with this moment now, not some future life, not some hypothetical thing in the sky, now. The decisions you make now and how you can come to find your true self and have a a direct relationship with the divine. And to be fair, a lot of the people, particularly Jewish people or Muslim people that are leaving their own faith backgrounds to embrace evangelical Christianity, they do so because they're longing for this direct connection and you should it is your inheritance it is your heritage it's your birthright to have this direct connection and the problem for religions like christianity i grew up in a christian country it's dead it's gray the country's gray the food's gray the people are gray there was no love in christianity it's a false it's a dead ending. But always people are looking, thinking, oh, it must be out there. It must be something new. What the Jesus of history was teaching was to bring you to the narrow gate and to let go of those things and embrace this moment, this life. So as a summary, when the Jesus of history said God, what did he mean? He meant the love, which is the light, hidden within everything you experience, and as you progress with your training in the Narrow Gate, you will see that the world is really just love moving. I hope you enjoyed the video, I'm sorry I went on so long, I hope you enjoyed the view, I wish you were all here it's amazing we really are blessed thank you for your time don't forget to like and share if there's anything that you want me to address any questions please put them in the comments or contact us through the website thejesusofhistory.com thank you for your time god bless be safe be well If you enjoyed our podcast, don't forget to like, message and share our work. It helps keep our content free. Visit our website, thejesusofhistory.com and connect with us on social media.